0: Why don't you open your bibles or your or click your electronic devices find the book of Matthew chapter 4 The title for this series as long as we're in it and it'll be a smidge is called follow me would y'all say follow me? follow me So why we're calling it that is because the book of Matthew calls the reader to respond to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven as followers of Jesus or as disciples. Follow me is the first word we'll hear in a a few weeks here, maybe a few more. A few weeks when we get to Jesus actually calling Matthew, who is also called Levi, when he calls him, he comes to his tax collector booth and says, follow me. Then at the end of the book, the, the book closes, Matthew's whole book closes with this call or this commission. Everybody say commission. This commission. So it calls, it begins with a call to be his disciples and then ends with a commission to make disciples. So this book is really about what, dis, what a disciple is. So we read this, and, it was, and the early church used this text to, to teach people. It was a book like a catechism. It was, this is what it means to follow Jesus. This is what it means, the privileges, the responsibilities, the opportunities of being his disciple, and then using this understanding and the authority that you have in Jesus' name, go and make disciples of all nations. I'll just talk to Mrs. Dow. I'll say that again. Make disciples of all nations. You know, and it's not it's not incidental that Jesus didn't say go make disciples out of or inside of various nations, but of all of them that understand that Jesus understood that he has the receipt for the whole planet. He paid for everybody. So the commission, the authority and the commission from Jesus to us is literally to, to make disciples of all nations. Now, that, that doesn't necessarily mean in, in the text boundaries of countries. In nations is the word ethnos, and it means of, out, for, make every ethnic place, every ethnic people. Of every, basically this, like Revelation, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, make them followers of Jesus. So we, say, so we say out loud to this county, come home. Why? To follow Jesus. All right, let's pick it up where we've been. We follow Jesus through the birth narratives and Jesus being just, uh, baptized in the ministry of John the Baptist and Jesus being anointed by the Holy Spirit. And then we had a great time doing water baptism. We looked last week at the, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness and saw that he overcame all of that temptation for us as us. And because he did, everybody say, we can. We can. So it was a, that, that passage is not some mystical reference. It's, a, it's an invitation for you and I to walk in victory. But now let's look. So all of that's important because now where we've landed in the book of Matthew is a place of transition. Matthew is about to introduce to us the ministry of Jesus. This is the, the introduction of his of his basically his the entirety of his earthly ministry. I think okay, I'll just slap it down there. We'll be all right. So he picks this up, but earlier this week, as I was trying to oh, thank you. Look at you folding that for me. Aren't you so kind? I'll give you some money. Uh, <laughs> Earlier this week, I, I wanted to do one of those, you know, man-on-the-street interview things, but we're not exactly at the place where I can just text the, the tech team and send them out with a bunch of, you know, cameras and videos and say, get me a video in 24 hours. But if I could, it would have been one of those cool things where they walk out on the street and they say, excuse me, sir, and, excuse me, ma'am. The question I wanted to ask people was, I wanted them to just, without, without trap or without a trick, simply say to them... Think about Jesus and tell me, what do you think was his foremost message? So I thought, well, I'll do the best. I thought, well, the, the next best thing I could do is just throw a post on social media and uh, risk the trolls and just see what happens. And you know what? I got a terrific response. I put it on my personal page and on my Dr. Daft page, and it just said, no tricks, no, no, no traps. Just what you- I want you to just tell me, what do you think is the foremost message of Jesus? And I wanted just to hear what I want. It, it turns out, as I thought about it, I thought, well, look what I was able to do. I was able to get perhaps some people just to spend a few moments thinking about Jesus. Hey, winning. Right. That's fantastic. I thought, I wonder. And then I thought to myself, I wonder if, Lord, what if we were able to just get a few people to spend a few moments thinking about Jesus that wouldn't have otherwise this week? Well, that's pretty cool. OK, but well, here's I got a lot of neat responses. And you can imagine there were the 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 responses that I got many of you probably could would say them I got I got things like well his message was love right or or peace a lot of words like compassion a lot of a lot of ideas of acceptance for everybody you know there was a lot of Jesus came to give us a great big hug and 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 that's not wrong I imagine that he you know he did uh there was and then there was a lot of there was several folks that are kind of close to or a part of this house that i kind of felt like you were cheating because you knew you know you're like oh he came to say the kingdom of god repent blah blah i'm like yeah okay stop you read i know you don't count you were already here so uh and then there were a lot of other good things about identity and calling and empowerment and ethics and and uh and revelation and revealing as the father i mean there's a lot a lot everybody say a lot There's a lot of stuff that Jesus said. There were lots of responses and all of them were true. And the thing is, Jesus did teach. He did reveal. He did declare all of those things. But all of those things are a result or a consequence or an expression of what he said first. Now, again, we're reading the book of Matthew. So, Matthew, author, audience, agenda, right? So Matthew is intending for us to start at the beginning and then proceed through the book, right? It's not a recipe book like you think, I want to just make shortcake, so you... Yeah. Flip over to the shortcake page and figure that out. Nor is it a magic book. Do we just open it up and look for a, a word in red to quote and use for the day? Although that's terrifically fun to do. This is a book that has an author and an audience and an agenda. And to get the instruction and the feel of the book, we start at the beginning and we hear, what did Matthew tell us and in what order so that we can understand what, how he understands and wants us to understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Everybody got that? So this is the idea. So he taught all those things but to access all of those things we must hear what he said first it's like the on switch or or the or the enter here you, you, we don't we cannot access something unless we enter it from the beginning so today we will hear the foremost that means that which happened First and sets the the template for what happens after the foremost message of the king everybody say the message of the king king. We must first respond to this message If we are going to be his follower his disciple We need to hear and respond to this message So let's look at Matthew chapter 4 and pick it right up at, at verse 12 and we'll go all the way through verse 17 and pause and I guarantee you, uh, you'll all you get out of here before the snow starts again. It, it won't start again. Okay, here we go, verse 12. And now when Jesus heard that John, as in the Baptist, had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. Now, Matthew doesn't tell us anything right now about John the Baptist being arrested or what else is going on. We'll hear more about that later. And when we do, we'll color in all the lines then. But for now, just we know that, Somebody had all had about had about all they could stand of John the Baptist and took him into custody. He was arrested, and when he's arrested, Jesus Matthew tells us Jesus now uh, he he makes a transition. Jesus withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth. Nazareth is in Galilee, but he's in he withdraws to Galilee. He leaves Nazareth and he and he came and settled in Capernaum which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. Now, how many of you, you don't have to answer, just you can smile and nod or shake your head smugly. How many of you, when you read verses like that, you just read along quickly? Like, I don't know what's going on here, but whatever, Matthew. Give me, tell me. We're looking for the words in red. Give me some, <laughs> give me some take my yoke upon you stuff. Where's that? Uh, then verse 14, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, or through Isaiah the prophet, uh, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach. Everybody say, from that time. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That verse 17 really does signal something to us about the importance of what, just, what happened just before that, immediately before that, and then what's going to happen after. So let's just all, what, I know it might feel a little awkward because it's longer, but I want you to say it out loud with me. From that time, from that time one more time, from that time, from that time Jesus began to, began to preach. And then here's what he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right, so the first part, uh, in beginning at verse 12, so this, is, this whole section I, I've titled The Message of the King. What will follow is the call of the king and probably the compassion of the king, because I like the alliteration, the but it's the power of the king. We are going to see how the kingdom unfolds in Jesus' ministry, and Matthew's going to tell us, he's going to give us a broad brushstroke introduction of the ministry of Jesus before he gets into some of his ethical teachings. Now, so... But here's what, we do, what Matthew does first. Before he establishes or reminds us or tells us what the message of the king is, he establishes this fact. Jesus is king. Come on, everybody say it out loud. Jesus is king. He, Jesus provides some a background or a backdrop for the ministry of Jesus. But here's what's important. This is not just trivia. It's evidence. Jesus, and the evidence is Jesus is king. Here's what he says. So first of all, this is cool. I hope you can lean into this and pay attention. It's exciting. We're early. It's fun. It's the Bible. So John the Baptist is arrested. We're going to hear more about it later. Jesus moves from Nazareth into Capernaum in Galilee. Capernaum. Now, what's, what's the deal with Capernaum? Capernaum was larger than Nazareth, but it wasn't necessarily a vast cosmopolitan cosmopolitan, you know, region. I mean, it wasn't huge. It wasn't uh it, it wasn't like a mega city, but it was just a little bit larger. So, I don't want to offend anybody. It wasn't brush prairie, but it but it might have been Vancouver. Okay? I'm saying that I'm, I'm saying Vancouver on purpose because I just kind of I just feel like, yeah, okay. I mean, I like Vancouver. I want to just talk to you for a moment about the importance of a city. Capernaum was larger than Nazareth, but more importantly, it was located on a thoroughfare. It was located on a thoroughfare on an intersection of two main highways. Whoa. It, it was. It was a, there was, a, there, was a, there was a there was a Rome had built a paved road that led from from down south all the way to Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi. And guess where that paved highway, that interstate, you might say, guess where that ran right through? Capernaum. Then there was another ancient roadway that, from the, that came from the Mediterranean and, and, and landed all, also on the way there, but also came to the sea. So from the Mediterranean Sea to the sea or the Lake of Galilee, there was another ancient tradeway, roadway that came through. Kind of like one was going north and one was going east and west. Right through Capernaum. It had a, Capernaum had a, had a tax collection center. Capernaum had a, a Roman garrison. It was a place where, of commercial fishing, and there was, of course, a synagogue there. I want you to see that, that, uh, the, the significance of a city that, where Jesus is. Capernaum wasn't uh, itself different or more important than any other town, but much of what we're about to read in the book of Matthew happens in and around Capernaum. That's not... That, Maybe that's easy for you to digest, but for me, I, maybe I'm, I sound like a little bit like Jesus' brothers that said, hey, anybody who wants to be famous goes to the big towns and goes and gets in front of the spotlights. But Jesus literally spends a great deal of his ministry in and around this small region in this town. And yet, the entire world is different because of it. So let us not underestimate what is possible even in our town. What's possible in our town if we can believe for Jesus? Just let Jesus be Jesus. You know, don't, don't, you don't have, it's impossible to exaggerate Jesus, but honestly, the Bible, the Bible is so incredibly radical that if we will just let the Bible speak for itself about who Jesus really is, it, it, it will shatter our paradigm. It'll shatter our frame of reference. It'll humble us and enthuse us at the same time. Jesus is remarkable. So let us not try to exaggerate and modify him and certainly don't muffle him. Let Jesus be exactly who he's supposed to be, and our city can change the world. It's not bad for a snowy Sunday. Somebody said amen in this house. All right. So the region of Galilee, though, it it was in a Jewish area. Galilee is a Jewish region, but it was surrounded by Gentile nations. That's why it's called Galilee of the Gentiles. Galilee had been surrounded by the Gentiles and Gentiles had been present in it since the northern kingdom was, uh, 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 took, was, was overcome by Assyria in, the, in the, mm, the 500s or so or the 700s B.C. When, the, when Assyria came and invaded and took over uh, the northern kingdom of Israel, uh, Galilee became surrounded by uh, uh, Gentile nations and uh, mm, I'm trying not to use a word that sounds of, uh, insulting. They would have said infected. Okay, so they would have been. Although even later on, when they came back, it would have still been a Jewish region, but there would have been surrounded by other nations and then other nations a part of it. Uh, there would have in 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 Capernaum and in that in Galilee, there were living at that time. There were Egyptians and Arabs and Greeks and Romans, all living around there and in there, and yet it was still a Jewish region. Can you feel the tension and the diversity there? So this is the region and this is the city where Jesus chooses to headquarter and launch his ministry. What do you think his approach might be? If Jesus would have, been, if Jesus would have paid attention to many of the things coming out of our seminaries and many of the books on our Christian shelves... Um, uh, they would have suggested, uh, Jesus' uh, counselors would have suggested a very cosmopolitan approach, perhaps a very seeker-friendly approach. Perhaps he should have been very carefully, he would have culturally uh, defined his ministry. Maybe he would have adapted his message to, to Greek philosophy. What would Jesus say to this ethnically mixed, religiously diverse region? Before we hear what he has to say, We need to further see the significance of this region to Jesus' mission and to Matthew's audience. Matthew sees Jesus moving to this place as further evidence that Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. He is the divine heir to the throne of David. And he is carrying all the hope of that prophecy with him. Look at again at what he says. This is, what is to, what, this is to fulfill what Isaiah said, and he identifies the land of Zebulun and Nephtali by way of the sea, uh, that it's the, the area of Galilee. So Matthew says that Jesus' presence in Galilee fulfills Isaiah 9, that the people who were sitting in darkness saw great light, those who were sitting in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has dawned. Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Nephtali, right near the Jordan, near what Isaiah calls the way of the sea. Now, that could be two things. The way of the sea could have meant the road that passes through on the way to the Mediterranean. But it's probably that, that, the, that the, this, you know, we call the Sea of Galilee is actually a freshwater lake. Now, so we call it the Lake of Galilee because it's a great big lake. But even from Old Testament times, the Hebrew, the Hebrew name for it resembled more of a sea simply because of its size. So it's likely that Isaiah really did mean that area. C- Capernaum is in Galilee, and it's right next to the Sea of Galilee. But listen to the promise. Isaiah prophesies, and Matthew claims that Jesus fulfills this, that the people who are sitting in darkness have seen a great light. Sitting in darkness, that word is skotia in the Greek, and it's gloom, misery, or moral and spiritual darkness. This is the this is darkness that is a result of the lack of knowledge of God. And they're sitting in that darkness, not knowing God. But but Isaiah prophesies, and Matthew says that those people have seen a great light. Everybody say great light. That's fun, but really, the Greek word is that is the is our word mega. Yeah. So you can just, it's cooler to say that. The people sitting in darkness have seen a mega light. Whoo! This light, this word, it's phos, and it means brilliance, the light of God's own presence in biblical language. Jesus is that light. He is the radiant light of God himself. And then Matthew repeats in poetic fashion, those who, those who are here, in the, they don't just sit in darkness, but they sit literally under the shadow of death. They sit in the place where death looms so greatly that it casts a dark shadow. But in that place, a light has dawned that light is Jesus, that light is still shining and for every place and for every person that's in darkness or the shadow of death over, overshadows them, we need, to, we need to make sure to tell them to come home, we need to be followers of Jesus Christ because it's upon you and through you that that light continues to shine that, and this house is a place where that light shines that those who need hope, those who have are in darkness or darkness has come too close to their lives, let this place forever be a place that resonates Resonates the hope of Jesus Christ. In this place, in Capernaum, in that region, at that time, where it's dark morally, it was also ripe for harvest. I want all of us to get that down in our belly, especially those that have been around for a while, perhaps, or maybe you watch one version of news or another, and you think, oh, my goodness, the whole culture is going to hell in a handbasket. It's dark out there. It's horrible out there. It's corrupt out there. All of that is correct. But in the Bible, ripe for judgment and ripe for harvest smell the same. It was time. The king had arrived. And this was his message from that time. That's why it's important from there, from right there in that place at that time. Forward from that time. It's an heiress. It's a progressive heiress. From that time, Jesus began to preach. Everybody say preach. We've talked about that word, and it's not like. Uh, some of the euphemism type ideas that we have today, it doesn't mean Jesus walked around with a furrowed brow and a pointed finger. Preaching that day was, was something that distinguished the speaker from a philosopher, just by way of reminder. Remember, when a philosopher came and began to philosophize, the, the response, the, the question response was, Why, that's fascinating. That, that gentleman or gentle lady certainly is learned. I wonder what they have to say. I wonder what they have to say. I wonder what's on their mind. What have they thought up? Let me listen to them. It really created a cult, a culture, a cult around that person. So, so uh, if you were Aristotle, it led to Aristotelianism or Platism or whatever preacher or, or, or TV personality-ism. But Jesus didn't come as an ism. When he said that he began to preach, the word preach connotes an entirely different meaning. The word preach means that someone is coming on behalf of someone or something else. The word preach means that someone is coming. They they are coming with a certainty and an authority and a message. They are literally a messenger of a truth. So the response to the word preach is not, well, I wonder what this learned fellow has to say. The, the the response to preach is what's happening, or what's about to happen. This is an announcement. This is not something to consider. Hmm. Well, that's very fascinating. This is something that re, that we respond to. He began to preach and say, <laughs> "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." Ba, 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 there it is, friends. What is the foremost, as in first, as in defining message of Jesus? The great one, the great misquoted one, (laughs) the great misunderstood one, and yet the greatly loved one. What's his first message? You know, you ought to love one another. You know, they didn't crucify him for saying love one another. They didn't crucify him for that. They didn't resent him for saying, he he didn't come around and say, you know, you guys ought to be nice. Nope, they didn't crucify him for that. Nobody, nobody, nobody resented love one another. Nobody got upset with, come to me, all you who are weary. They liked that part. And you know, they, they loved the fish and chips. <laughs> <sighs> Repent was the first word out of his mouth. This is, this is a confrontation. This is a call for change. Jesus did not come and affirm everyone's own opinion, preference, or choice. He didn't come to reward you for having your own opinion about life. Just take a deep breath and understand who we're talking about. This is God the Son. He came to, to change your opinion to his. And he confronted all of it, every choice, every opinion, every preference of everyone. Here's the great thing. We said it a few weeks ago. Here's the great thing about repentance. Everyone gets to repent. Everyone. Say everyone. Everyone. It's not a selective. It's not just just these folks need to repent, but y'all are okay. Guess what? When it comes to Jesus, all y'all, everyone into the pool, (laughs) everyone gets to repent. Everyone gets to repent. Repentance is a great idea. I'll say it a hundred times. Nobody, not one person, having ever repented, regrets that they did. Repentance is a, it always leads to greater joy and greater freedom. Always, always, always. It may may sometimes lead to sacrifice or pain or rejection from other people, but when it comes to your own soul and your own relationship with God, repentance is the way to joy. (laughs) Jesus called by, by saying repent, Jesus called for a complete commitment to God. Now, we need to say this again. Repent doesn't mean a temporary reconsideration, right, to temporarily consider something. There is no real option to unrepent. If you do unrepent, then you probably never have repented. Because here's what repent means. Repent doesn't just mean, you know, I ought to stop doing that. Maybe I'll give it a, you know, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. You know, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, repentance doesn't mean I'm going to swear off cinnamon rolls. I have no intention. (laughs) And most people that say that don't either. (laughs) Repentance is a total rejection, not only of a behavior, but of the belief system behind that behavior. And that's really important. Without that, the motive for the behavior remains. So it's not enough. Repentance isn't. You know, I'm gonna stop cussing, or I'm gonna cuss less. <laughs> Most people say I'm gonna cuss less. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut off the really bad ones, right? <laughs> I'm gonna cuss a little bit. I'm gonna cuss less, <laughs> or I'm gonna gossip less, <laughs> or I'll only gossip around my friends, <laughs> or, or I'll just gossip to my family. I mean, you know, the modified repentance that people do. <laughs> Right, a little, you know, just, it's, more like, it's more like editing, not repenting. <laughs> but just saying I'm going to stop cussing a little or I'm going to stop gossiping, that doesn't really address the ugliness in our hearts that led to the problem. I could say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop stealing. I am. I'm going to, I am going to not, I'm going to stop that. St- I'm going to, I'm going to steal, a, I'm going to steal less. <laughs> I won't, I won't steal apples from the store, but you know, when it comes to, you know, taxes or other things or whatever. I'm solid on taxes. I'm good to go. I go to a guy bowling and sees me in my underwear. I mean, you know, these, everything about me, Ed knows. All right. Uh, <laughs> I got nothing. I go to his place afraid to death. I tell him the truth, nothing but the truth, the whole truth. But just saying, you know, I should stop stealing, that doesn't address the lust and greed and fear in our heart that makes us steal. Repentance means a change in our whole life as a result of a fundamental change of thought and attitude about sin and righteousness. I, gotta, I need to repent of the belief system, the inner attitude That produces that behavior. Without repentance in that way, then there really isn't discipleship. There's just behavior modification. We're not after just external behavior modification. Jesus is calling us to be his disciples. To live for him and to live like him. Repent. Why? Why should we repent? What's happening? Repentance is always, and it's the, same, it's the same, uh, uh, same exact words that John the Baptist said just a few chapters before, but repentance is happening because of something. Repentance is concurrent or motivated by believing something is true. What's, what's true? Remember, he's preaching, so our response is, what's true? What's happening? What's happening is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Wow, here's, the, here's how I know we haven't really wrapped our hearts around the significance of that, that it'd be, it's a little bit obtuse for us, because I can say it emphatically, and people go, eh? huh? okay, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? That I wish that we, had, we used different English words and pressed the envelope a little bit so that we would go, what? Whoa. Jesus' audience, when they heard the kingdom of heaven is at hand, they heard, heard they heard a guy announcing an invasion it would be like me saying and i don't I, you know in the 80s we you know if i the commies are coming we don't be like we don't where are they you know it was it, it was announcing the invasion of another kingdom was coming it was not that's not something that you go oh isn't that interesting It says something is coming right now. And not only just coming, but the word is at hand. Everybody say at hand. And if you love, love, love yourself some grammar, we haven't had fun with grammar for a while. But this is in the perfect tense in the Greek. And that there is not an English equal to the perfect tense. The English does not have the force to communicate the perfect tense. The perfect tense means something has happened, but the weight of it, the, the effect of it remains in effect right now. It happened, and it, but it, it doesn't just echo and like fade off, but it, it happened and it remains in full effect. The closest and easiest thing I could say is, I, the, I, 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 we would say I have, I, I have been, I have become married. I, that, was, that was almost 25 years ago that it happened but the effect is right now in full force. That's the perfect tense. The kingdom of God is at hand. It has happened. So it's not just a message that we're preparing for. It's a message that we must respond to immediately. What's the message? It's a warning of judgment. Yes, Matthew makes it clear that, that, that responding to it incorrectly, there is, a, there is a because God loves us, he warns us that to reject this message, to reject the kingdom, is to rebel against the king, and there is judgment. But, but more so, it is the promise of great blessing, because nothing less than heaven has come near. Can we believe that? The, this, is the, uh, this means the authority of heaven, the influence of heaven, the activity of God Himself has come near. How do we respond to that? How are we supposed to respond to the announcement that heaven has come? Well, Jesus tells us the first thing we do is we repent. Remember, repent does not mean run for your life, heaven's coming. No, it means draw near. Heaven's here. Repent means come home. The closest narrative that I can feel in the scripture to describe or to give a picture to repentance is that probably overly familiar story of the prodigal son. but in that story of the prodigal son that has been told and retold and almost part of popular culture psyche is here's that here's the the moment of repentance this, the 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 boy who belongs somewhere else comes to his senses that he is living where he that is that something that is inconsistent with his right with his calling with his identity he is a He is a son of a wealthy man living amongst pigs and pig slop. And the Bible says Jesus, and he comes to himself. He recognizes this is wrong. Not only is what I'm doing wrong, the attitude, the behaviors, the choices that I've made to get me in this place, all of them are wrong. He doesn't say, you know, there's some good about being over here with the pigs. He doesn't say, you know, I'm going to see if my, my, you know, I can move the pig farm home. There's no negotiation. There's, there's a total rejection that this is, this is wrong. And he says, he says to himself that he recognizes that it's better at home and he, he needs to go back home. So he, he, he turns away from the pig slop and turns toward home. He thinks he has a long way to go. He thinks that he's going to have to give a long explanation and barter and bargain and maybe hope that he's mildly lesserly accepted. And gosh, although that's not the exact intent of the parable, there's certainly a lot there that speaks to so many people. We tell them to come home and they think, well, maybe God will let me stay in the barn. Maybe I, you know, I know there's some people that can come that can live inside, but I, maybe if I can just get through the gate, you know, he, he won't mind. Maybe that's as far as he wants me to come. As if coming home was my idea. See, you think, if you're the prodigal son, you think coming home's your idea. But see, repentance is his idea. So it's not run for your life. It's run home. In the story of the prodigal son, the boy the boy has to come the boy has to the boy has to find or come home. But honestly, the in the kingdom, home has come to you. Heaven has come near to you. And the message of repentance is leave the junk, leave the unbelief, leave the sin behind and come. Leave your beliefs about sin and your love for sin and come home. Come home because home has come near. In the kingdom of heaven, home has come near to you. We repent. And then... Until to, to, to when we come home, to, to say, well, what, what does that mean? How do I, how, what does it mean to come into the kingdom? What the kingdom, what do I do with the kingdom? You submit to it. You submit to the authority of the kingdom of God. You simply learn to, to live from that point on, you live for Jesus. Jesus is your Lord. You make Jesus the Lord of your life. And nobody can come in and be a part of a kingdom. The thing to do is you need to embrace that kingdom's culture. You submit to heaven's authority and you embrace heaven's culture. We, we learn not only to live for Jesus, but now, because I follow him, I learn to live like him. The, kingdom, the culture of the kingdom is the character of Jesus himself. The New Testament tells us a little bit about the culture of the kingdom. Romans chapter 14, verses 17 and 18 says, The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in, in the Holy Spirit. Would you all say, in the Holy Spirit? I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, righteous righteous living before God and toward others. It's righteousness and peace and joy. The Bible then Paul says, he who serves Christ in this he, for he who in this way serves Christ or follows Christ is acceptable to God and approved by man. 1 Corinthians 4.20 simply tells us this, that the kingdom of God is, does not consist in words, but in power. So when we're talking about the kingdom of God coming. We're talking about a culture of righteousness, a culture of peace, a culture of joy, and a culture of power. Who doesn't want to come home? That's the nature of this kingdom. I repent. I leave my stuff. I surrender to Jesus. I learn, and I say, Lord, I want to live for you and live like you, and then I live a life that's characterized by righteousness, peace, and joy, and power. There's real hope there. Yeah. 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 For us today, the first thing we must all hear is the, firm, the foremost message of the king. Repent. Come home. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Because all other moral and ethical and spiritual implications, all the other works of deliverance and healing, all the miracles and teachings that we'll see, all of those begin from our response to this message. If we're going to follow Jesus. We must come home. All of us. We must submit to heaven's authority. And embrace heaven's culture. You know. I'm going to give you a little bit of a bonus today. After Jesus Resurrection and ascension, and the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church. We don't exactly hear this specific sentence like repeated it didn't necessarily become a uh, a, a catechism or a a ritual or a liturgy. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Does that mean that this message is located? Just uniquely in the Gospels or the ministry of Jesus? No, that's right. No. So, what, what does that mean? What 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 do we do? What do, how do we respond to that? How do we? What does that mean to us right now? I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest this, and I thought for a moment it might be slightly unique until once again I thought I had a unique idea until I realized many people have already had it. But after the Day of Pentecost, on on the Day of Pentecost. The Apostle Peter stands in front of a crowd of thousands of Jewish people. And he announces what this, this phenomenon that they're seeing and hearing, this spiritual, vibrant expression in the church. That it's evidence that the, the Holy Spirit's presence in the church is evidence that God has made Jesus, who they crucified, that God raised him from the dead, and he has sent it to the, hand, the right hand of the Father, and that he has poured out this, and that they, they said, Jesus, that God has made Jesus Lord in Christ. And the crowd, like with one voice, cries out, brothers, what must we do? What do we do? And Peter's response is, repent. And be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, either Peter is changing the message or he's explaining it. I suppose it's easy for me to say the kingdom of God is at hand, and perhaps for somebody who might have seen one too many Disney movies to think, does that mean some sort of castle is coming down out of the sky? There's a considerable amount of joy that just came out of the front row. But that doesn't, that doesn't, mean, a, that doesn't mean a castle is coming down out of the sky. What we just need to understand directly, theologically, is this. The kingdom of God is at hand, is, is understood in its full expression as this. This is the person of the Holy Spirit himself has come. God has poured out his spirit. And to live in God's kingdom as a follower of Jesus, to live for Jesus, to live like Jesus, is just as we heard before, it is to be brought into vital contact with the Spirit himself. And to live in fellowship with and under the influence of the Holy Spirit is life in the kingdom. So this morning, if you say, well, how can I, how can I, how how can the kingdom be present in my life? Just ask, ask Jesus once again to bring you into fresh, vital connection with his spirit. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, I thank you for these words of Jesus. I thank you that Jesus shows us the really the way in. It's not a maze, it's not a contest, and it's not a test of any kind. But the way in is to hear the call to come home. And we thank you, Lord, that in your kingdom, home has really come near to us. Can I ask you to stand together as we close this morning? thing about repentance is that it, there is a point where it begins but remember John the Baptist told us to keep to bear fruit in keeping with it so it's appropriate for us as we hear these words again for us to pause and say Lord is there is there an attitude in, in my heart that keeps me from coming nearer is there an attitude or a, a belief a behavior, Lord is there something I need to repent of this morning that keeps me distant. That hold that that I, I I'm keeping myself at bay. Lord, we want to draw near to you today by, by just letting go of every sin and every encumbrance, every attitude that's unpleasant to you, every, every 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 those those secret behaviors that we think, well, I'll just do a little bit less of that. Lord, we repent of not only the behavior, but the belief system, the lies behind them today. The fears, the greed, the anger, the jealousy. Lay them aside, Lord. We draw near to you. We come home. Lord, we thank you that repentance is not a call to do something in our own strength, but to accept today that Jesus will bring us into vital contact with the Holy Spirit himself. We can live for Jesus and live like Jesus as his disciples because of the Holy Spirit Would you open your hearts just lift your hands today just ask Jesus once again to bring you right now into fresh vital connection with his spirit Lord baptize us and fill us today come upon us we receive today the power of your spirit to follow you in Jesus name